Good morning. How many of you have been shopping and you've you've heard a Christmas song in the background while you're shopping? I have noticed it, picked it up. My ears aren't that great either, and I was able to hear it. Uh, many of the songs focus on having a Merry Christmas. Title song from last week's movie we looked at, White Christmas, contains the lyrics, May your days be merry and bright, and may all your Christmases be white. Now, I don't think I've ever had a white Christmas, but I'm, I'm not missing out. That's okay. I, I like snow for about 10 seconds, and then it gets really cold. That's not fun. Uh, songs often played, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. From now on, our troubles will be miles away. Oh, if that were only true. <laughs> I haven't had my troubles take off and on a drive at all, ever. Um, in your heart and mind, what would make your Christmas merry this year? What is it that you're hoping for? I, I've, I've had a very busy year. I've had a lot of moving parts in the ministry in our own life, and I'm really hoping that things will slow down and we can just take a nap. That'd be awesome. That'd be great. They'd just slow down for holidays. What are you hoping to get out of the Christmas season? Here's a meme a Facebook friend of mine from high school, high school friend posted recently. I think as you grow older, your Christmas get list gets shorter because the things you want can't be bought. Now, this is the stuff my age and stage people post. Because, you know, we've been through life a little bit, and we know that's true. The things you really need in life can't be bought. They, they just can't. What we hope for, what we expect out of Life as it flows by really makes a difference in our attitude and in our approach to life circumstances and situations. Today we're looking at a theme in the Christmas classic movie, Christmas Vacation. Um, It's number 45. Frankly, I think that's a little low. Uh, It's number 45 on the Rotten Tomatoes top 50 Christmas movies of all time. The leading man, Clark Clark Griswold, has some plans for a Merry Christmas that he wants to pull off for his family and friends. Uh, Here's the trailer to give us a taste what the movie's all about. After vacationing across America and throughout Europe, this holiday season, the Griswolds are going to play it safe. Clark, we're stuck under a truck! They're staying at home. I give you the Griswold family Christmas tree. Hope you're not getting sap all over your sweater, Clark. All Clark wants is a quiet, old-fashioned Christmas. Sorry. Didn't work on that. What he's going to get is the gift that keeps on living. Merry Christmas. His family. We didn't come to impose. But no holiday could ever be more deeply touching. 
Eddie wanted to make it a surprise. If I woke up tomorrow with my head sewn to the carpet, I wouldn't be more surprised than I am right now. <laughs> ah, I'm really going to fly down the hill with this stuff. So genuinely moving. Can I refill your eggnog for you? Drive you out to the middle of nowhere, leave you for dead? If Santa is smart, he'll stay well clear of this joint. It's a death trap. Then Christmas with the Griswolds. Everybody come out quick, look at the lights! They want you to say grace. I pledge allegiance to the flag. The United States of America. This year, let Chevy Chase light up your holidays. National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. That thing had nine lives. She just spent them all. <laughs> you Woo! crack up. Okay, this this is a very irreverent, funny movie with some hilarious scenes. But it's another movie that I don't recommend you go home and watch with the kids. Um, we used to watch a, an edit. We used to watch the TV version. Actually, my nephew edited a version out with all the, the bad stuff out of it. It's, there are some really funny scenes, but, uh, it's edgy, some inappropriate scenes, and language I, I certainly can't condone, so be careful with that. If you, if you record it on TV, it's, it's, it's safer, but you still might want to fast forward through some stuff, uh, with your older kids. Um, the theme, that we're pulling out of this movie today is hope. It's an important part of Christmas. It, it, it's found in the, the secular, traditional celebration of the holiday, and it's also found in the historical, original history, historical story of Jesus Christ. It's a prominent theme in the Bible that intersects with the message of this movie, and I'll show you how. Um, Clark Griswold is a hard-working father who wants to experience a Merry Christmas with his family, like those he experienced as a kid growing up. So with a deep desire driven by nostalgia, Clark starts trying to put together the perfect family Christmas. He, he wants an old-fashioned celebration, and he can see it coming together in his mind, but pulling it off becomes a real challenge. Um, in his mind, Clark envisions a meaningful, meaningful celebration with his parents, his in-laws, his wife, and his kids. But then there's a knock on the door, and Cousin Eddie crashes the party. Um, have you ever had a Cousin Eddie moment? <laughs> okay, I won't ask you to raise hands on that one. Clark comes up with the idea to go sledding, and the outing nearly kills him. Uh, in, in fact, you know, holiday movies, or in, any movie really, that sort of resonates with us, with how we are as people at large and how the culture is, um, they... They, we enjoy them. And uh, it's funny, I read an article this morning in my news feed about, this was the, the, the title of it, How to Decorate Like Clark Griswold Without Breaking the Bank or Your Leg. Um, 
he's determined to provide a light display that will make his dad proud, who taught him everything he knows about exterior illumination. Um, and so he, he almost in that process almost breaks a leg or hurts himself very badly. Uh, he has a second brush with death as he's putting up the lights, sledding, putting up the lights. It's one thing after the, uh, the next. And when the family sits down to enjoy a nice turkey dinner, he cuts into it and it explodes. It's totally dried out and overcooked. It's more like turkey jerky. And so anyway, that, that's some, some of the storyline that's there. As, as Clark tries to pull the celebration together, his hopes end up in disappointment time and time again. Disappointment is a common human experience. We all deal with disappointment, just like Clark Griswold. We wrap our hope around something, uh, maybe uh, a certain bonus like Clark or... Uh, we wrap it around a certain gathering and how everyone's going to relate to each other in that gathering, and we end up disappointed. The root of all disappointment is found in the third chapter of the Bible, Genesis 3. We're not going to dig into that, but I'm just going to give you a rundown of, of what happened there at the very beginning of time. Adam and Eve were the first man and woman. They sinned against God. They looked for happiness. Basically, God gave them some boundaries for life. And they looked for happiness. They looked to be merry, so to speak, by stepping outside of God's boundaries that he'd provided. And they were totally disappointed by the results. Instead of the freedom they desired that they thought they were going to experience by stepping outside of those boundaries, this choice brought captivity on all kinds of levels. Instead of the freedom they desired, um, they, they found themselves in need of God's help and deliverance. That was their story, and it's our story As members of the human race, we're all chips off the old block of our first parents. The infection of sin spread through their family, and this process played out continually throughout history uh, in the lives of people. Right after the first sin, God responded to the rebellion of the first couple with his plan to redeem all of humanity. The plan is somewhat veiled at first glance. You see it in Genesis 3. Somewhat veiled, but it's there. The offspring of a woman would be born to break the bondage that sin has brought to the entire world. So this rescue plan was communicated over and over and over again. So it starts way back at the beginning of time. God and he, he sort of hinted at it, unless you understand the Hebrew language. It, you, you can see it. It's veiled, but it's there as soon as the first couple sinned. And then he starts communicating his plan. And over time, it gets clearer and clearer and clearer 
And then you could begin to make a profile out of the person he promised who would be born of a woman. You, you begin to see the profile and you, you can, you can identify in history who this person is. Um, he began to communicate. God's plan was to work in the life of the nation of Israel. And through the nation of Israel, he hoped to communicate to the rest of the world. This was his goal. And so um, he, he communicated this plan over and over again to Israel. They began to wait for and put their hope in the Savior, the Messiah who would be coming. And as they went along, often they would step outside of the bounds. They would wander off rather than trusting God. The people of God would shift their hope from him to someone else or something else to some experience, and this brought continual disappointment and emptiness. You you can trace the cycle of the history in the history of God's people. They would trust God, and they would live his way. Then things would go well. You may be able to identify with this cycle. Really, you know, start out trusting God. Things are going well. You don't feel the need for God as much anymore. Wander off and put hope in someone or something else or some kind of experience other than God. And every time Israel did this, and frankly, every time I do this, I'm I'm really deeply disappointed by the results of that choice. There are always bad outcomes from this choice. To hope in anything other than God himself and Israel would turn back to God. That's what God hopes you do. As as you wander from hope from the putting your hope in him. He he hopes that you'll turn back in faith to God. God would send prophets from time to time uh, to remind his people of his plan and the coming Messiah who would make it happen, and this became their hope. Here's one of the earliest examples of God's prophecy uh, to the people of Israel, Numbers 24:17, very early in the scriptures. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. So this is a promise of the one the, the, in Genesis 3 that would be born of a woman who would bring salvation, the opportunity for salvation to the entire world. This, as I said, is one of the earlier prophetic passages. Uh, this one is, is the one that God promises to send as the once and all for deliverer. Uh, Matthew was one of Jesus' closest followers while he was alive on earth. He wrote his biography of Jesus' life to show the Jewish people that Jesus is the one they waited for. His, the different, there are four biographies of the life of Christ, and they were written by close followers, or one was dictated to another man who wrote it uh, for the follower. And... Um, he, he, Matthew wrote his biography. They were written 
to different audiences, to different groups of people. Matthew wrote his to the Jewish people, uh, and his goal was to show that Jesus is the one, this profile that God's been painting throughout history. That This is him right here. This is the one. It's Jesus. And he did this by showing how Jesus fulfilled uh, the prophecies that were promised about the Messiah. Jesus fulfilled over 300 prophecies of the Messiah. That, that's some of them that, that have been promised are yet to be fulfilled in the future. But that's, that's a, 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 mathematically an impossibility. So Matthew announced that Jesus is a long-awaited Messiah by connecting prophecies to him. Matthew 12:21 says, "In his name the nations will put their hope." So this is Matthew's purpose. This is what he's trying to do. This prophecy was written 800 years before Matthew and Jesus were on the earth. Hope is a major theme in our Christmas celebrations in the Christmas season. Jesus is the one God promised and sent to bring us out of captivity into sin. If we hope in him, we will not be disappointed. That's the promise of the Christmas season. It is so important to put your hope in what can be trusted. Isn't it? I mean, it's, it's, it is hard to watch people put their hopes in things that are shaky, that fall apart, that disintegrate. In the Greek language uh, that the New Testament was written in, the word hope means this, to look forward with confidence to that which is good and beneficial. You look forward, and you're not just, gee, I hope it happens. That would be really cool. No, you, you have confidence that this is going to, to be. Without hope, life is dismal. I mean, it is, it is really no good. In a very practical way, our hope for the future impacts our attitudes and actions today. What we hope in has a dramatic impact on the choices we make right here and now. Clark Griswold put his hope in some shaky things. In our movie, Clark is hoping to put together an experience he can enjoy and that his family will remember, and they certainly will remember it, but not the way he hoped they would remember it. Uh, He wants the circumstances to come together in just the right way so that everybody in the family has an epic Christmas celebration. Here's a clip from the movie that shows what Clark is hoping to pull off, and it gives you a sense of the lengths at which he's willing to go to make it happen. Here, here, let's watch this. Dad, didn't they invent Christmas tree lots so people wouldn't have to drive all the way out to nowhere and waste a whole Saturday? They invented them, Russ, because people forgot how to have a fun, old-fashioned family Christmas 
and are satisfied with scrawny, dead, overpriced trees that have no special meaning. My toes are numb. You see, kids, this is what our forefathers did. I can't feel my leg. They walked out into the woods, they picked out that special tree, and they cut it down with their bare hands. Mom, I can't feel my hip. Clark. Yes, honey? Audrey's frozen from the waist down. That's uh, all part of the experience, honey. There it is. Look at it. It really is beautiful, Clark. Something else, huh, Russ? Yeah, Dad. Isn't it beautiful, Audrey? She'll see it later, honey. Her eyes are frozen. Most enduring traditions of the season are best enjoyed in the warm embrace of kith and kin. This tree is a symbol of the spirit of the Griswold family Christmas. Dad, did you bring a saw? <laughs> and it goes downhill from there. Um, that's the very beginning of the movie. Clark's goal is to recreate some of the most meaningful times that he's experienced in his life by having a fun, old-fashioned family Christmas. This, this is a dangerous hope. And we can all identify. We, we build events up. We build experiences up. We look forward to gatherings, and we set unrealistic expectations it's a dangerous thing to hope in. It lies squarely in circumstances coming together, including cooperation from family members and their words and attitudes and actions. Putting your hope in circumstances is a dangerous thing. Nostalgia is a common feeling, but it often sets us up for tremendous disappointment as we have to deal with the real, not the ideal, that we remember. A second shaky hope of Clark Griswold is the Christmas bonus he expects to receive. He's thinking it's at least going to match the the bonus he received the year before, and and then some because he's created a an award-winning product for his company. Let's watch this scene together. I have a delivery for Clark W. Griswold. Uh, I was supposed to deliver it yesterday, but it fell between the seats. I didn't see it. I'm sorry. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. I can't believe it. What is it? A letter confirming your reservation at the nut house? From my company. Your bonus. My bonus. Oh. <laughs> Open it, Clarky. Open it. Yeah, I hope it's a fort, Clark. <laughs> you do, Eddie. Oh. I was afraid of this. Are you going to ball all over it, or are you going to open it? <laughs> Oh, I just, I'm just going to wait till tomorrow to tell you all this, but what the heck. With this bonus check, I'm putting in a swimming pool. <laughs> That's it. That's the big one. Open it. I'm sorry if I've been a little short with everyone lately. It's, I've been waiting for this bonus. To make sure the pool goes in as soon as the ground thaws, I had to lay out the money in advance. And until this little miracle arrived, I didn't have enough in my account to cover the check I wrote. 
Fly you all down here to help us dedicate it. And uh, Clark blows a fuse, and I can't show you the rest of that scene. Um, Clark Clark is banking on a a huge bonus. Don't you cringe when he starts talking about it to his family and setting their expectations and bringing them in on it? And I've already put money down and. Oh, my goodness. He wants the, the family to be able to enjoy that pool for years to come. It, it, it does make you cringe. Here's what First Timothy 6.17 says. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. There's a major difference between putting the, your hope in circumstances or riches and in God himself. We, we do better in life if we put our hope in God. If we allow him to arrange our circumstances and determine the level of income we enjoy, if, if we're striving to make our goals happen. That is a rough way to live. That is, that is really difficult. It, it's, it's, it just twists you up like Clark got twisted up at times. If we focus on circumstances and wealth which are beyond our control, we will be very disappointed. In contrast to a shaky hope, God gives a hope that doesn't disappoint. God has done everything we need to provide our spiritual well-being. Our ability to enjoy life flows from our spiritual well-being, not, not from circumstances, not from experiences. It flows from our spiritual well-being. And God has given us this. In fact, he has promised if, if you'll trust him, if you'll walk by faith and trust God, he, he promises to give us everything we need. If you set your heart on his kingdom, Matthew 6 says, you set your heart on the kingdom of God, he will give you everything you need in this life. He, he will also, here's another amazing thing. So that's a reason not to put your hope in wealth, but put your hope in God. Another thing is, he takes the circumstances that we go through, and he uses them. And we're going to see how he uses them in a few moments, but he uses them for our good. That's an amazing thing. So God has done everything we need to provide for our spiritual well-being. Our ability to enjoy life flows from that. And it's grounded in our relationship with God, our friendship with God that he allows. Our hope is not based on circumstances or wealth, but in a person, God himself. I want to take a few minutes to walk through Romans 5, 1 through 5. Romans, uh, 
is a book written to the early Christians in the church at Rome in the first century. It was written by the Apostle Paul to explain the Christian life to the early Christians there and to show how God works in us to grow hope. He actually uses the circumstances of our life to grow hope in us. So here's where it starts, Romans 5, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we've also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. At the heart of Christmas is a celebration of what Jesus has done to restore our relationship with God. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is why Jesus stepped into our world, to give peace with God. And in in the Bible, peace isn't just the absence of conflict. Peace is total well-being. All is good. You have spiritual well-being as you walk. Jesus made a way for us to have it. It's not merely a lack of conflict. It's it's what we hope for when we say Merry Christmas. It's what we're hoping people experience. Back up to the beginning of that verse that I read, uh, those two verses I read, and you discover how to apply what the Lord's done for you personally. We have been justified by faith. To be justified means to to set free, to remove guilt, acquittal. And this is the very thing we all need since the first couple rebelled and we have followed them in their rebellion. We have all sinned. The Bible says every one of us has sinned. And we fall short of the glory of God or the standard that God set for people. Our guilt is removed by faith. Not by anything we do, not by good deeds that we do, but by trusting what Jesus has done on the cross to pay for our sin and to buy our freedom from it. We ended up in captivity, but Jesus paid for our freedom on the cross. That's the story of of the Bible. Jesus is the way to a right relationship with God. We also... It says, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. We stand before God by the grace he shows us in in Jesus Christ, not our good, not our good works, not our good deeds. Access in this verse means the right to or the opportunity to address someone implying the higher, higher status of the person you're addressing. Our faith unlocks the grace of God. And allows us to stand before him and have a right relationship with him. This is our hope. This is a Christ follower's hope. This is what we look forward to with confident expectation. And it's at the heart of what Christmas is all about. One of my favorite Christmas hymns is O Holy Night. One line in the lyric says, a thrill of hope. The weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new glorious morn. The world is weary because it places its hope in the wrong things. 
like Clark Griswold, in circumstances, in wealth, in experiences. Not God himself. Hope in God and your happiness doesn't depend on circumstances or money or, or experiences. We can trust God to arrange the circumstances in our lives for his purpose as we set out to live for him. Romans 5, 1 through 5, we're about to read uh, 3 through 5. There are two things we're told to rejoice in. This is get, get excited about. The first one makes sense. We rejoice in hope. The second thing that we're told to rejoice in is sufferings. What? What? I'm supposed to rejoice in sufferings? Romans 5, 3 through 5. Not only that, <clears throat> but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Clark suffered a lot in this movie. Some was self-inflicted. Some resulted from the attitudes and words of family members. Some was circumstantial. But the, the, the great advantage we have if you decide to follow Christ, if you're following him now or if you choose to follow him, the great advantage we have is we can take a very different attitude and approach towards suffering. Suffering in this passage literally means a pressing, a pressure, anything which burdens the spirit. So you're, you're weighed down, you're, you're pressured. We are told to rejoice in it because suffering is the gateway to hope. God uses even hard circumstances for his purpose in our lives if we will cooperate with him and work with him on it. Check out the process God walks us through to produce greater and greater hope. Starts with suffering, pressure, which produces endurance. For endurance to flow out of suffering, we must bear up under the pressure in faith, we, we have to remain faithful to God and trust him to work things out for his purpose. Next, the passage says, so suffering produces endurance. This is God's hope. This is what he wants us to do. Endurance produces character. If you bail out from under the pressure and try to make things happen on your own strength, you blow up in anger, you push people around to get them to do what you want, you basically have a bad attitude in general. You miss out on the character God wants to develop in you. Character in this passage literally means to try to learn the genuineness of something by examination and testing, often through actual use. This, this means that under pressure, we can choose to do things our way or we do them God's way. Uh, when... Cindy and I were in seminary when I was in seminary. Uh, we were in Fort Worth, Texas, and it was Thad's first Christmas. We had no money for any pre Christmas presents. And I did, at the time, an unusually mature thing. And I decided that I was going to not tell anybody that we didn't have any money for, because usually I'd broadcast it. And I, 
was a spoiled kid. So uh, whenever I let my mom know particularly, she would make sure I had whatever I wanted. And so I remember my mom saying, you know, I can't believe you didn't tell me you didn't have any money that Christmas to buy presents. I would have given you. And that was my point. I just had this sense that God said, okay, this is kind of a bummer. Your seven or eight month old kid, or wait, held was he maybe 15 months. Sorry, I'm bad at that. Um, but he's, he's not going to have any, you know, presents. Well, so it wasn't his first Christmas, it was his second Christmas. Okay, Cindy's shaking her head, I'm on track now. <clears throat> um, anyway, I decided I'm not going to tell anybody about this, that we're hurting and we don't. And you know what? Uh, on Christmas Eve, God had somebody give us $200. Now, back then, that was a lot of money. And we had quite a shopping trip. That guy, you know, he didn't have to do that. We could have survived without Christmas presents that Christmas. But you know what? By enduring and doing what I sensed God told me to do, I was able to learn the genuineness of the living God. I found out he's real. I stayed under the pressure. I didn't. I had ways that I could have got out from under the pressure. But I chose to stay under it by the grace of God. If we do it our way, same old thing, nothing new. If we walk by faith, we find out that God is real. And he's made life to work the way he shows us in his word, the Bible. This is the way God strengthens our hope, which I mentioned earlier, is looking forward to con- with confidence to that which is good and beneficial. Our hope for the future impacts our attitudes and actions today. If we put our hope in the things of this earth, circumstances and wealth, they don't come together. We don't always have the level of income we we would hope. We're disappointed. If we hope in the shaky stuff, it won't deliver. It won't give us the peace and the well-being that we want. However, if we trust God, if we put our hope in God himself, if we allow him to arrange the circumstances in our lives for his purpose, if we allow him to determine the level of wealth we enjoy, we will never be disappointed. He will always provide. And even our suffering will be a tool in his hand. It will be an instrument in his hand to produce hope in us. I'd like to wrap up the message on the back side of the connection card, there's some next steps I've suggested. I encourage you to take one of these snap steps, or maybe God said something else to you. All right, here they are. My next step today is to, for the first time, I will place my hope in Jesus Christ as my Lord, which means king or boss, and savior. If you'd like someone to contact you about explaining that, on the right-hand side of the connection card, it says, contact me about meeting up to uh, meeting up to clarify my commitment or what it means to commit my life to Christ. Another step would be refocus my hope on God himself. Maybe during this season you put your hope on some circumstances coming together, a gathering, um, 
a certain level of wealth, maybe a bonus, uh, refocus. I'm going to refocus my hope on God himself. And then think through, who, who would you like to invite? Invite a neighbor to Church in the Valley Christmas service. Who's around you that you could invite? Family, friends, actual neighbors that live on your block? Who is it that you could bring along with you to the Christmas service if they'd like to come? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the truth that we see in your word and for the freedom it gives us. I pray that you'd help us, God, to take these steps that you've laid on our heart to take and bring honor to you through them. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.